Happy Friday's Eve, everybody, and welcome back to Laying the Points with Farley Betts. Another episode as we cruise through the NBA playoffs here. The NFL Draft is today as well. I have a few thoughts, maybe a few picks. Uh, again, little little um, disclaimer, I don't call myself an NFL Draft expert. So, you know, maybe take these with a grain of salt. Um, there's guys and gals out there like, how about Mr. Ron Ace? At Ronnie Sports, unbelievable content for the NFL draft over there at the Oddsbreakers and Sports Wagering University. Uh, there's guys like that out there. And obviously Tom Pelissaro, all the great NFL reporters out there who we can trust, right, more so than others. Maybe pay attention to them more than me. But um, I'll have a few thoughts today on the NFL draft. We'll go over the current uh, status and the current uh, NBA playoffs scenarios which it's getting more and more interesting and we're seeing the top teams right some of these uh clearly better teams starting to show themselves now for who they truly are and and some of those not so great teams showing us the same thing uh so we'll go over today's games uh maybe a look at tomorrow's games too but i'm I'm not so sure about that i mean reasonably what we could have uh let's see who's supposed to play friday is just the grizzlies and the timberwolves now right so all three of the other series could end tonight. We have all three of the series leaders, three and two leads are playing tonight, and they're all on the road, 76ers, Suns, and Mavericks. So we'll get through all of that. It'll be another short pod. Look forward next week and in the weeks to come to me having more guests on this podcast. Going to bring back Dr. Kate to answer some of those sports betting slash psychology questions that you guys send in. Send me in those questions anytime. You can DM me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at FarleyBets. You can send me an email, FarleyBets at gmail.com as well. We could talk about your questions or whatever you want to ask me and Dr. Kate on this podcast. Uh, also looking to have Steve Bobo Betts back on the podcast next week to talk the results of the NFL draft, who we fell, who we feel won who we feel didn't do so hot and some of our projections and thoughts on the upcoming NFL season, which obviously is still a solid three plus months away, but it's exciting, man. It's the, it's the NFL draft. And in case you can't hear it in my voice already, as much as I succeed and love the NBA, the NFL will always be my number one love, my number one sport that I love. Um, So it's always awesome to talk NFL with Steve at Bobo bets. We'll have him back next week. Looking to get um, William Hill on this podcast as well, contributor over there at VEASAN, as well as some other guests down the pike, probably some of the guys and gals from the BetUS NBA show, and maybe some others. We'll love to bring back Clive Bixby to talk NBA playoffs. So look forward to all that in the upcoming weeks as we continue to talk mostly NBA and sports betting in general. Uh, follow us at theoddsbreakers.com, at theoddsbreakers on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. That's obviously where we launch our podcasts, the Odd Breakers podcast stream. Great content constantly, great content on the website, articles, you name it. We got it up there. NASCAR, boxing, golf, basketball, football, baseball. We got it all. Check it out at Sports Wager U. Check us out on social media as well as we look to start uh, accruing, um, accumulating a lot of these classes and bringing you all courses and guidelines and things that you can use to improve your sports betting techniques and strategies. 
And finally, at BetUS, at BetUS NBA. Follow us five times a week at 4 o'clock, coming to you live with our NBA picks. And obviously, follow me at Farley Bets. You know I'm Farley Bets. That's why you're listening. All right, first of all, quick, quick little rant. Obviously, this will be under 30 minutes as usual. But I wanted to just talk about my approaches to sports betting, maybe a little bit about me to start this, because I, I don't know how much I've shared about my background or maybe we have some new listeners who might not be aware of my background. It's it's uh, it's actually a pretty crazy background to get into sports betting. Uh, but I just wanted to speak to some of my experiences, some of my um, – lately I think that I've been humbled a little bit more than recently because, you know, I'm trying to grow in this industry, right? And I know that I can be – I think I can sound pretty brash and bullish on this podcast because in my experience – especially with the all the inflated personalities out there in social media right now, you kind of have to be a little brash, right? You got to be confident in your plays and your approaches. You have to speak up for yourself. You got to show your own records. You got to celebrate yourself because few others are going to do that for you. You're lucky if you have one or two proponents of your work and your success, right? Because most of the guys and gals in the sports betting industry are competing with each other. But first of all, it's really important to have a mentor. There's uh, people in this industry who have been in this industry for decades, right? Those dudes who were walking and driving around Vegas decades ago to find the best lines, shopping for the best lines, meeting the owners of these sports books, talking with the bookmakers, talking with previous bookmakers, uh, just to understand kind of where the money's coming from, how these lines are set. Uh, They know the nuances. They know where the money's going. most of that is not stuff you can, I don't think any of it are things you can find online. Uh, You know, that's proprietary information for the sports books, right? And something that I was talking about with one of my mentors, who's probably listening and picking apart this podcast, uh, but is, you know, just, just how little we, we really know, you know, I mean, I've been sports betting for, for a long time, about 10 years now. Uh, I've been in this uh, public light for about two years and I can't even express how much I still have to learn. You know, I think I think I have a pretty good grasp of the psychology of the major of I mean, the sports that I uh, mostly bet in um, NBA and NFL. I, I think that's where I have a sharper edge. At least that's what my records have shown. But, you know, variance and regression and all the normal things about life, that's that's going to happen. I'm not always going to hit, obviously, at like 57 percent in the NBA, right? We're not going to always finish in the top 10 in Circa. I mean, those are kind of wild things that are going on right now, and I'm grateful for it. Um, But, you know, you have to just continually mold yourself and grow in this industry. And, you know, I just just want to caution anybody out there, and I've said this plenty um, on the podcast before, but you have a lot of young men and young women who are absolutely hustling and trying their best to succeed in this industry, to give out great insight and information and kudos to them. I'm doing the same thing. I love sports betting. I love sports. The fact that this is part of my everyday routine now, the fact that I can make money off of it. I can make money for my family. Um, I can feel like I have an edge and an expertise in it. It's it's awesome. And I, I feel like for many of us, it feels as if maybe we're pursuing this because we, you know, we first of all love sports, right? We were playing sports growing up, maybe thought we could be pros. (laughs) Most of us were extremely humbled in that regard. 
Um, but now this this uh, allows us to be a part of sports in some way, right? And it's it's awesome. It's the greatest. I mean, if I could solely do this every day, I I would jump on that opportunity ten times out of ten. Um, you know, still got a nine to five, still managing things around that, and probably most of us are. Um, but uh, so I I I get it. You know, you and I are not that much different. Whether you've been handicapping for six months or six years or however long. Uh, I, I still have a very, you know, green uh, passion for this. And with that said, a little bit about my background that you guys might know. I talked about the brashness and the bullishness that I sometimes have. I guess sometimes I just find it hard to be overly humble or overly. What's another word for that? I mean, uh, you know, I, I I guess I just feel like I have to shout from the rooftops somewhat when we're doing well, right? First of all, because of the point that I said before, no one else is going to do that for you. But second of all, because I, I don't know how many of you know this, but I, I come from very humble beginnings. That's probably the fifth time that I've said humble on this podcast, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I uh I don't, I don't come from much, you know, I, I, as I like to say, I grew up eating spaghetti three to four times a week. Um, we were a low income family and that's not a knock on my parents. I mean, I think my dad is heroic for the way that he worked his ass off when I was growing up, blue collar jobs, 12 to 16 hour days, you know, two jobs sometimes, you know, my parents just had one of those situations where things didn't pan out exactly how they thought. Um, they didn't make the money that they thought they would be. Uh, so I, I, I just, I consider myself very self-made when I was 18, I went into the military. I enlisted in it. I felt like it was meant to be. And out of that experience virtually came everything else in my life. And I had a son, you know, I had a, had a baby when I was a baby, but I also started making money right away on my own. And I've never taken for granted the value of a dollar. Um, you know, and that, that's always been my perspective and my approach. And it's probably why I'm so bullish and I want to chase things, uh, like sports betting so hard, you know, because I want to provide a very good income and a very good foundation for my family and for my future. And the fact that I found something I'm passionate about is incredible because my nine to five, in case I haven't alluded to it before, I know I have, um, I don't know how much passion I have for that day to day. Sometimes. Sometimes it's good. The sports betting and sports is good every day. You know, I can't, I can't get enough of it. Um, but I want you guys to know that, you know, I'm not some prick who ever thinks that he knows more than anyone else about sports betting or sports in general or about the NBA or NFL, no matter how well I do. Um, but I think I could come across that way sometimes like, Hey, do this, bet on this, bet on that. This is the right way to do this. Again, we have to be confident. Um, and that, you know, and I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be bold about my confidence from time to time because I stand on my own two feet and I'm pretty fucking proud of that. But at the same time, um, let's all just continue with that humility. Humility is a different word than humble. You see, you see what I did there? Let's continue with this humility. Um, let's continue learning, find a mentor, you know, find multiple mentors. Uh, keep on analyzing the market, especially that's the real mystery, right? 
we can all analyze these players. You know, we can handicap these games. We can analyze totals. We can look at the uh, tremendous amount of data that's out there. We all have access to a lot of this shit. What we don't all have access to is what's really happening in the market that's making these lines move. Most of us, let's face it, don't have a clue. And the more you can learn about what the market is telling you, the sharper that you'll become because the other stuff is very accessible. Now, I would argue, too, that the psychology of sports betting, that's not very accessible. That might take some innate skill, but it's also something that you can build, right? You can build how to assess and measure human behavior and team behavior and you know sociological constructs. I mean, at the end of the day, the psychology of sports betting is, is really sociology, right? We're measuring how these groups interact with each other against other groups, uh, their tendencies, you know, their failures, their weaknesses, leadership, like stuff like that, right? I talk about leadership all the time. And I feel like a lot of people listening to my pod are probably like, oh, God, here it goes with that leadership stuff again. Like, can we just talk about defensive efficiency and like, da, da, da. yeah, I could talk about that, but you could also look that up, bro. You know, you can look that stuff up anytime. You can go on NBA advanced stats. And right now you can look up the pace, rebounding percentage, offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, true shooting percentage. Uh, you know, you can you can uh, have an advanced search on that so that it's only the playoffs. It's only the past 10 games. It's only against these teams. It's only at home. Away. These, these are all things you can do yourself. But figuring out the market and figuring out how to actually measure and come up with some kind of quantifiable method and process to have an edge on behavior is something that I, I don't think is spoken about enough. And, you know, take the data, use the data, manipulate the data, build your own models if you want. But if you're ignoring the market, or if I should say, I don't think anyone's ignoring the market, but if you're not paying as uh, enough attention to the psychology of the sport and the market itself, I think you're going to find yourself far behind. All right, let's talk about these playoff matchups. Tonight, Thursday, April 28th, NFL Draft Day. But we still have three playoff games tonight. Every one of these series, let's see, make sure um, what I'm talking, I'm not talking into my ass. Let's see. He, yeah, every one of these series are at three to two. Uh, the team in the lead with the three wins is on the road. So all three of these could end tonight. Do I think all three are going to end? I do not. Let's start with the, I think this is the late game, Phoenix Suns at the New Orleans Pelicans. Suns up three to two. Devin Booker apparently could be back in this game. I guess there's still some speculation surrounding that. We're not sure just yet. Um, honestly, that's enough for me to just stay away from this game. Because at the end of game uh, five, to me, you know, Watching that one looked as if the Pelicans really could have won that game. I mean, they were hanging in it the whole time. They were down big in the first quarter, first half, but then just creeping their way back, creeping their way back. I mean, Valanciunas keeps on winning in those rebounds in the front court. You know, DeAndre Aiden's playing well, uh, but he's he's just not that physical of a big just yet. You know, he's got to he's got to get some more. I don't know. He's got to get some more bumps. He has to get some more girth on that body. Um, 
but the Pelicans do not look scared at all of the Phoenix Suns, the best team in the NBA throughout the, the entire season. I mean, Alvarado, the uh, backup point guard for the Pelicans is, is something else, you know? And I mean, he's a rookie, so he's a young player, but talk about high energy. They talked at length about Chris Paul, you know, getting taxed in that game. You saw him at the end of the first half, putting his hands on his knees, taking a few deep breaths. Um, you know, we saw that one instance where Alvarado uh, had Chris Paul commit that eight second violation in the backcourt or in the, you know, in the half court. Um, I tell you, the, these Pelicans are feisty. And Brandon Ingram had a few shots at the end of that game that kind of went around the rim, you know, like danced around the rim and then just fell out. That game could have, excuse me, that game could have been a lot closer at the end. Um, so I don't know. I mean, this is just a, it's a tough one for me. Uh, the Suns obviously favorites on the road here, but I think this line is about right. It's, I mean, it's pretty sharp at this point, Phoenix, Minus two. I mean, talk about a change, huh? I mean, this is a Phoenix Sun team, number one team in the NBA. They were getting big lines to start off this series. What was what was game one? Let's look back at that. Uh, game one of this series, the Suns were favored by 10 points. So, for, you know, obviously Devin Booker being out. I'm not sure if he's worth eight points, though. I just, you know, markets adjusting a little bit, right? Because the Pelicans have been impressive. If anything, I would lean the Pelicans here to make this a seven-game series, but not knowing if Devin Booker is going to return or not. Obviously, if he returned, that would be a huge boost for the Suns, even on the road. Uh, probably favor the Suns in that case, but this is just a game that I'd rather stay off of for now. I think the total is about right, too, at 214. We're seeing it come real close to that mark in most of these games. So um, pretty sharp, not a lot of angles to take advantage of here. So. Let's move on. And actually, it's the Mavericks and the Jazz that are the late game. We'll talk about them last. Uh, 76ers traveling to Toronto. Now the Raptors have won two in a row. Embiid talking trash to Nick Nurse, saying this series is about to over to Drake. Um, it's about to be over to Drake. And what happened? You know, it's, it's almost like I was talking about this with a mentor of mine, too. It's almost like once you think you have shit figured out, the gods, the universe are like, nope. I don't think so. <laughs> the Raptors came right back and won two games in a row. And now they're back at home where, I mean, it's a little bit of a misconception that they play better at home. They actually, in, in, in quite a few marks, they've played better on the road this year. And that includes the second half of the year. Um, but this is a Raptors team that's damn sure glad to be back home. And we've seen them do this throughout the season, right? They When they surge, they surge. They can, they can go on long stretches of winning, 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 right? We saw that in March. Um, I think they won six in a row. You know, we saw that in February at a, at a certain point. I think they also won uh, five or six in a row at the beginning of February. This is a Raptors team that when they get hot and when they figure out their opponents and when Nick Nurse is making the adjustments that he can make because he is a superior coach, I mean, in my mind, he's a top five coach. Uh, the Raptors are going to be a really tough team to beat. Now, I'll say, first of all, that the under in this game is probably the right side. Um, we got the Raptors and the 76ers now who have gone, most of their games have gone under this total. Uh, game two, 
was 209 points. Game three, 205 with an overtime. Now, game four went to 212, so slightly above that total. And then the last game didn't even reach 200. Uh, fell well below 200 at 191. Uh, so I think 210 is still a little a little too high. You know, two teams who are in general, they're they're walking up and down the court. You know, they're not moving very fast. Um, and these defenses have really stepped up. You know, if, if you look at the uh, defensive efficiency ratings for these teams, they're at 6 and 10. 76ers are at 6. But it's not really taken into account how well the Raptors have played in their last two contests, holding Philly to 102 and 88. Um, I mean, really, really pretty dominant performance by the Raptors in that game five. I mean, they led for, I don't think, the entirety of that contest. I think the 76ers pulled ahead very, very early. But then for the rest of the game, they were they just outplayed the 76ers, held them for 27% from beyond the arc, which is actually a lot closer to the normative uh, performance that we see from the 76ers who are not a great three-point shooting team, but when they are a good three-point shooting team, they do really well. But the length and the tenacity of the Raptors defense has really shown uh, they're getting more rebounds. You know, they're, they're beating Philly in, in total rebounds. They should probably get a few more offensive rebounds, but, um, you know, they're turning over the ball less, taking advantage of the fast break. A lot of points in the paint. I mean, in that last game, 56 to 36 points in the paint for the Raptors. And to capitalize off of our narrative from the previous game, and we saw it happen, this is a 76ers team who started to rely a little more on James Harden and a little less on Joel Embiid nursing that thumb ligament injury. Harden goes four for 11, two for six from beyond the arc, seven assists. Uh, Embiid only 7 of 15, 0 for 4 from three-point land. Maybe that's the thumb affecting his three-point shots and only 20 points. Um, again, they held Maxi greatly in that game. They held him back greatly, 5 for 14 in that game. So, if I mean, if we see an explosion from one of the 76ers' big three, which in my mind is not is not Tobias Harris anymore. Now it's Tyrese Maxi is in that big three. Um, if one of those guys explodes, then Philly has a, a shot here. You know, and of course Philly has a shot, right? I mean, we saw what they did in the first three games. It was it was great. But a lot of that was because of Joel Embiid's brilliance. You know, and, and, and now there's a lot less momentum with those Philadelphia 76ers, and it's switched over to the Raptors, who have now won two games by margin, one on the road and one at home. Now they're back at home. So Drake is going to be there. <laughs> I don't think Joel B is going to be talking trash to Nick Nurse anymore. And there's, the Toronto Raptors are getting healthy too. Scotty Barnes back in the rotation, warming up. He had a, had a pretty good game there in game five. OG Ananobi st still warming up seemingly, but we're, you know, we're seeing some improvements from his game on seven for 15 for 16 points in that last one. So, you know, and I mean, I, I like what I'm seeing, too, from players like uh, Precious Achua. Seven of 11 from the field for 17 points in that last game. He's been very serviceable when he's come in. Raptors using more of their bench, I think, to just kind of um, throw off the 76ers and what they're expecting. So we're seeing brilliant coaching. We're seeing uh, really, really great defense from the, from the Raptors. We're seeing Pascal Siakam 
starting to step up and nail those shots like he did in previous games against the 76ers in the regular season. So in case you can't tell in my voice, I lean the Raptors at home. Um, and I also lean the under. And now let's talk about the Mavericks and the Jazz. Man, I'll tell you, money is moving. Money is moving on the Jazz. Uh, the, the Mavericks were two-and-a-half to three-point favorites when this line opened, and now Utah is a one-point favorite at home. Donovan Mitchell is going to play. Um, you know, Got some hamstring issues. I mean, who doesn't, I guess, at this point in the season? But listen, first of all, you, I think you have to play the first quarter under. I guess you don't have to, but I would. None of these first five games in the first quarter have even come close to 50 points. I guess one came close. But let's look at game one, 43 points in the first quarter. Game two, 48 points in the first quarter. Game three, 47 points in the first quarter. Game four, 47 points in the first quarter. And game five, only 42 points in the first quarter. And again, the first quarter line is at in those in those in that mid fifty range at fifty four. I think you could have got it for even more if you bet this last night. I think it's a fifty four and a half. I mean, I'm taking the under on that all day. And it's kind of obvious what happens at the beginning of these games, right? High energy. Both teams are 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 bringing the intensity, and that shows on defense more than it does on these offenses. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of perimeter and mid-range shooting from these two teams, right? And when defense is tenacious and pestering those shooters, that mid-range and, and long game is really tough. It's really tough to make those shots. Um, and Dallas and Utah both start with a lot of defensive um, intensity. You know, you see some of these teams, they explode in the first quarter, right, with the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves, a lot of points right away. It's It's been the opposite for these two teams. And they're going at a uh, a game pace of 91 possessions per game. And let's run a little live advanced filter here and look at the uh, – I forget what it was off the top of my head. But in the first quarter, in the first quarter, it's even lower. It would average 90.8 possessions per game, so even slower in the first quarter. I can only look at the first quarter under. That's the first angle that I really like in this game. I'll talk about that in the BetUS NBA show again today too. And even though the lines – are moving on the Jazz, and even though it's seemingly everybody's betting on the Jazz, I can't abandon. Um, I can't fully abandon my thoughts and my projections for this game because I just can't trust Utah. Donovan Mitchell is injured. Rudy Gobert is still not performing at the level that we've seen him before perform plenty in the past. I think he's shook by this Mavericks defense, which is just pestering him and bothering him and all over him and hands up and they're fouling him but you know he gets to the foul line he's not a great foul uh free throw shooter he's getting his rebounds 11 rebounds but he's not he's not he's never going to be a focal point of their offense um and it feels like the jazz are trying to make him a focal point a little too much and the mavericks are taking advantage and maybe that's a donovan mitchell thing too does donovan mitchell even want to be on this team anymore you know, he's got he's got friends in these other teams that he'd probably rather join. I mean, this is this is the end of the current jazz that we know. Can you imagine picturing this team hoisting up a championship tr trophy at the end of the season? I can't because because there's no chemistry with this team right now. Um, so I could only look at the Mavs in this matchup 
I can only look at unders. Um, Luca, Dinwiddie, Brunson, um, even players like Dwight Powell, uh, Finney Smith, Bullock, they've been very consistent, showing a lot of confidence. And I'm not sure how much of a home court advantage Utah has right now with how clumsy and sporadic they've played. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't care where the line's moving. I'm not, I'm not putting money on the Jazz. Okay. Early thoughts on the upcoming playoff matchups here in the conference semifinals. Obviously, we only know about one of them so far. Um, the Bucks and the Celtics is going to be one hell of a series. And, you know, I've been, I've been riding this narrative that the Bucks are going to do it again this year. They're the best team in the East. You know, um, I still believe that. But right now it's like 51%, I believe it, 49%. It could be Boston because this Boston Celtics team since January has been consistent. They've been excellent on both sides of the basketball. And you could argue that they have not. I mean, I, it's not even an argument, actually. They haven't even come close to their offensive efficiency that they showed in the regular season against the Nets, against a pretty bad defense in the Nets. So is that something to worry about for the Celtics, or can we expect some regression there and for them to really improve on that side of the ball? I think they better hope that they improve because the Milwaukee Bucks are going to bring some defense. And Drew Holiday is playing great. Giannis is playing great. The supporting uh, bench, the supporting cast of the Bucks is playing a lot better. Grayson Allen playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, Brooke Lopez, consistent contributions, you know, does his part, doesn't try to do any more. Uh, Pat Connaughton, I think he scored 20 in that final game. Uh, this is a complete basketball team, and the Boston Celtics are, are quite possibly going to have their toughest series in the entire playoffs right now. Because even if they get to the finals, I don't think it's going to be as tough as facing this Milwaukee Bucks, the returning champs, and Giannis, the most dominant player in the NBA. That should be an extremely good series. And, of course, the Bucks are still limping into that one because Chris Middleton is projected to be out for that entire series. That's a big loss for the Bucks, But they have looked excellent even without him. So I'm just looking forward to that series. Boston has the home court advantage. So they'll start there in Boston at the TD Garden Center. That'll be – or TD Garden Arena, whatever. Uh, that place will be rocking. And I, I can't wait. Uh, game one is March 1st, which I believe is next Monday. Uh, and, I man, that, that is going to be a show. Let's see. Is that next Monday? That's Sunday. Hey, yo. We got a great Sunday matchup on ABC for game one. So really looking forward to that. Um, I don't think it matters who wins between Philly and Toronto in the end because I think the Heat are going to win that series. <clears throat> uh, futures on the Heat, probably not a bad idea. Um, and I think Dallas is going to win the series in the West um, with whoever Phoenix and the Pelicans face. And I, I know how good Phoenix is. I mean, it, you know, you're not telling me anything. Like, really? You're going to pick the Mavs against against the Suns? Yeah. I think I am. Get some good futures on that, too. Um, I just – I believe in this Mavericks team, you know. And the Suns haven't rested players all year. They're a highly disciplined team, but maybe that affects them late in the season, like right now, like we're seeing from Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul and that Suns offense, that is, it's really, really good, but it's about to face a defense that looks better than it ever has. Um, now, again, that's assuming that the Mavericks win the series against the Jazz. Obviously, I think they will. 
Uh, because even if the Jazz tie it up tonight, it goes back to Dallas. You know, again, don't trust the Jazz as far as I can throw them. And I don't think it, w- it matters who wins between Memphis and Minnesota because I think Golden State's going to own that series. Um, you know, obviously in the end, maybe not obvious, but I, I think Memphis will win that series. They're one game away. They are the better team, in my opinion, according to my power ratings, um, about four to five points better than the Timberwolves. But even though Golden State has kind of slowed down at the end of that series against Denver, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Denver, who fights and fights and has one of the best players in the world and Nikola Jokic on their team. Uh, so we knew the Nuggets would fight. That's why I didn't take it full game yesterday. But I love the way the Warriors are playing. I love the confidence. I love the small ball. And a narrative that I really like is if you watch the Memphis and Minnesota series, you watch a lot of mistakes. Young players, average age of 24 years old, and they're making a ton of mistakes. And they're about to face a Steve Kerr, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson led Golden State Warriors team who has been here before. I expect some dominant performances from the Warriors. Doesn't matter who they face. Playoff experience is going to be very real at that point. You're not going to be able to afford turnovers and mistakes like you did against your opponent in the, in the first round against the Golden State Warriors, who are going to lock you down on defense and they and they can blow you out with their uh, perimeter shooting. So, uh, you know, I I guess if you ask me, I, I kind of already have this figured out, except for the Bucs and the, and the Celtics, right? I, I think it's going to be Dallas against Golden State, Miami against. I'll still say the Bucs for now. We shall see. All right, very quickly, let's talk the NFL draft. Uh, first of all, if you don't know, I'm a New York Giants fan. We have two picks in the first 10. So, you know, we have a lot of picks overall. So Giants, don't mess this up. Need offensive linemen. Need offensive linemen principally. Could use an edge rusher too. Um, Two bets I'll give out here that I really like for the NFL draft based on some insights that I was listening to. Again, this isn't from my own research. It's just what I think there's some good good value out there and from the light research that I've done. But this is mostly from smarter people than myself about the NFL draft. Uh, Logan Hall. Under 35 and a half in the NFL draft. I think he's going to go in the first round. You can still get a pretty decent price on that. Obviously, we are, you know, we're late to the game if, if you're just putting in these bets now. But Tom Pelissaro and others have talked at length about uh his his quality, his skill quality, how much a lot of teams like him. Uh, and if I expect him to go in the first round, then I'm gonna take him under 35 and a half. It's getting it's getting juiced. Uh, because I think it's getting, you know, the perception is that it's more likely. But I'm taking that bet. And I like, I'm going to kill this guy's name. Um, but I like Ikem Aquanu to be the first O-lineman selected. Again, that's another one that's juiced. So I'll, I'll talk about a plus money plan here in a second. Why not? Um, but um, according to the sources that I've read, According to metrics about these offensive linemen, and there's and there's a lot of there's quite a few great ones in this in this draft. Uh, he stands out, right? He's got that dominant kind of pancake <laughs> uh, maneuver that he does to defensive backs and defensive linemen. Strong dude. 
uh, and I, I think he's going to be the first offensive lineman to go. I think that the Giants will take him if uh, Kayvon Chibodeau, I think that's how to say his name, is not available at that fifth pick. I think the Giants will take him at five. Um, you know, maybe that's maybe that's insider knowledge about the Giants. Maybe it's not. It's not. Uh, but I know the Giants need an offensive lineman. So uh, finally, how about I'll just give one more because I just realized I gave two juiced up, juiced up bets. How about Malik Willis under 13 and a half by a few mock drafts from guys that I really respect. Uh, there's, there are thoughts that teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers could, could trade up to get Malik Willis and some of the marks of him coming out of the combine coming out of, you know, seeing him on the field and his arm and his athleticism, his stock is rising for sure. Could he be Lamar Jackson 2.0? I mean, that's going to be pretty tough, but uh, I think quite a few NFL teams who need a quarterback are interested in him. So I could see him going in those first 14 rounds under 13 and a half. That's juiced up a little bit, plus 115 or plus 120, depending on where you look. All right, ladies and gents, we are at what, 35 minutes now? Oh, I'm going over the a lot of time that I usually try and stick to, but uh, Maybe start getting used to that because we're going to have some guests coming on the pod starting next week with Steve Bobo Betts back at it talking the NFL. Uh, maybe he'll talk some soccer too. Steve continues to handicap uh, the English Premier League and he's doing a great job at that. Check him out at the Oddsbreakers as well. Um, we're going to have William Hill on the podcast. We'll have Dr. Kate back. Uh, maybe Josh C., Alex Christensen, Kate Constable. We'll have them all lined up in the upcoming weeks as we go through the NBA playoffs. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Good luck. Win some damn money, and I'll catch you on the other side.